Start again, start again, begin. Start again, everyone. Open book, open world. We don't know what will come. We just hope everyone. Say. Goodbye to our old life. It's a brand new world, a new beginning. Transformational stories. I was an Autobots and then crashed on Earth. Oh wait, no, that's the Bumblebee movie. <laughs> that's not my life story. telling these kids wrong facts like that's not true at all rise up children <laughs> just a did you ever get the urge to like suppress that part of yourself or hide it or try and be different or I got good at running. <laughs> and I thought all of that was squared away. Like, I, I thought I had handled all of it. Turns out, <laughs> when you have children, anything that you th you thought you had handled by basically just shutting down, putting away, or walling off, does not stay there. Surprise! <laughs> they don't, no one tells you that part of parenting. Like, guess what? They are going to mirror back every insecurity and every worry and every every stage of your life as they grow they are going to continue to shine lights on and break through and expose and wear away anything that you've put up in defensiveness and not dealt with i'd never dealt with it you're listening to caterpillar goo I'm Rod Hayden. And I'm Flora. Hi, Flora. It's been a while. Hey, Rod. It has been a while. What you Where been have up you been? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had some equipment issues. Um, we were busy spending all our time and money together instead of on a podcast. <laughs> good times. Yeah, we did have some good times. We did. We're still having good times. So, what's today's podcast about? Today is Brad Clark. I met Brad in 2007 when my son was a baby. I got introduced to the Austin Stay-at-Home Dads, a local group of 
like-minded dads who went to playgrounds together and that kind of thing. Brad was the leader of the group when I joined. He was scheduling the playdates, and uh, I ended up taking over for him. So here's Brad Clark talking about his experiences growing up, becoming a stay-at-home dad, and growing and learning through that process. Enjoy! I always loved art, but I had no idea how to do it. But like, I just wanted to, to make things, invent things, be a scientist. And probably because of Batman and like all the gadgets and Spider-Man uh, getting powers but having to invent his own web-slingers. For like a five-year-old, like that's it. You're going to make this stuff. Because I grew up in the middle of nowhere on a ranch. There's, there's not a lot of time to like think about doing other stuff. <laughs> there's always something going on. There's, there's activity and a chore to be done. There just is. So uh, I was pretty lucky that I could still just like spend the day making uh, cardboard weapons to match He-Man's sword or sit and draw characters and, and just run around and play. And so, you know, when I got further along in school and realized that, like, the kids around me weren't reading the stuff I was reading, and the kids around me that weren't drawing and had almost a hatred for art. There were several times, even at, like, first grade or something, you're like, you know, look in the microscope and draw what you see. And mine came out pretty well, or I'd be really excited to try to draw it well. And then for, for, I don't even know what reason, like the negative reaction towards any of that was so strong from the kids in my class and from, you know, just, just general, like, it just felt like any kind of trying to be better for myself was met with, oh, you think you're better than us. <laughs> yeah. So that was really difficult because I always wanted to connect with people. I think being an only child and having interest in expressing that, like I had very little feedback besides the dogs and the cows that, and my parents, that how you interact with other people and express that can affect how they react to you. So in school and, you know, growing up, I had no idea what, like, well, I, I told you this fact, like, you know, if you don't believe me, like, why are you dumb? <laughs> you know, like, I'm sure that that was the, the, the impression I was giving off and I had no idea right I just get super excited about it and then my parents willingness to protect me from having to do the chores and the work that other kids were probably having to do allowed me time that they didn't have and maybe that created jealousy I got good at running the playgrounds were the buried tractor tires and scales and I figured out really early on that I could fit in the smallest tire. So I could run faster than the, the kids chasing me. And I could get to the small tire and wedge myself up in it. And if I got there first, they couldn't find me very fast. So I could hide in the tire. <laughs> and then I could, you know, if they, if they left me alone, then I'd come out and I'd run somewhere else. But ignoring it, like, I just never knew how to do that. They were doing stuff to me. They took my stuff. How am I, what do I do? I ignore it and then I never see that thing again? <laughs> Most of the time I got in trouble equally or worse than whoever was picking on me. They, they did something. If I retaliated, I got it worse. 
if I didn't retaliate, I was still involved and I still got punished. And in West Texas, that meant the, the stupid, you know, in elementary school, it meant the, the principal with a paddle with holes drilled in it and a big wooden plank with tape wrapped around it that whistled when they swung it. And then you'd sit in the hall and hear the other kids screaming, and then it was your turn. And then you'd be in trouble because they also now came out of that not learning a damn thing, except that we both just got punished, and now I'm going to get you. When we're out of here, I'm coming after you, right? And, and then you had to ride on the bus with them and, the, you know. Like by the time ninth grade, yeah, like I'm in high school, like that question now just was like, oh no, what's wrong with me? I'm, I'm broken. Something's wrong. I'm not the sports kid and into weird things and, you know, uh, just on top of being incredibly shy and not wanting to be in front of people or talk in front of people. And I didn't want to. If I got from got up from my desk, the things I cared about at my desk were going to be stolen. Uh, the kids that didn't like me or that were bullying me were going to do things to make it worse for me to be up in front of everybody. So every time I had to do something besides just sit at my desk and get through the day, it just meant that I was a target. Again, I would look at that and go, why are you acting that way? That's stupid. <laughs> and if you tell people that, that does not work. <laughs> Guess what? It just makes them not like you. So, And I didn't care for football either. I was like, this doesn't have swords or guns or adventure or bullwhips like Indiana Jones. Or like, who? you know, this is just people standing around and then they run into each other. Like, this is dumb. This is also a, a very unpopular thing to have as an opinion in a group where everyone plays football. <laughs> but so, <clears throat> we, you know, that's the pattern that's been over and over again everywhere I went. And it turns out again that that is not the best way to approach like socializing with other kids. But like I liked being around girls from like birth. <laughs> I don't know. I remember just liking being on around girls for whatever. Just they're, I like them. They're not mean usually. Yeah. Like they were, they would like to draw or they would do other things. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that you're an idiot and I don't want to hang out with you, but your girlfriend is nice and I like her. I'm going to hang out with her. And if you have a problem, too bad. Again, not great social skills. You know, it, it sounds stupid and it sounds like it's, it's like a, like, oh, well, you know, you could have tried to be friends with people. Yeah, but I didn't want, to be friends with people that were doing the things they were doing. And I didn't know how to be friends with that and be okay being around it. Like, oh, they're going out and drinking alcohol on the weekends. Well, that's, I don't want, I, it, that's not what I'm doing. I'm underage, one. Two, like, do you know what that does to you? So I just went like art. That's I can hide in art. 
And that ended up hiding in the art room and theater and finding creative ways to just not be around the rest of the school. I loved animation. I want, you know, I love special effects. I like movie stuff. I like building things. That's what I still wanted to do was just hiding in the arts until I could get out of town. And as soon as it was done, that's where I, I left. It's like, I'm going to go to school for Florida in Florida for film. That's what I'm doing. I'm just going to go just, just get out and start over. I went to school for film originally and I was in the game industry. So that was where I wanted to be and I got hired and then yeah, animation was the direction I was going and quickly I ended up in a bunch of other different positions, some technical, some, some animation, some programming, some just solving problems and, and figuring out solutions for things. And I loved it. I mean, I loved doing the work and I liked, I liked uh, the challenge of it, but that's what I, I was stuck on a computer like all day in an office, like that was years of my life. So that means that you're, you come in and you're, you leave at dark and the weekends disappear and there's no sun and you basically are on your computer for 14 hours a day. Carpal tunnel, like wrists and arms locked up. That was my experience <laughs> from going from working in a world where I was working all the time and handling stuff and people were relying on me and I could, I could figure out anything to realizing that this is not healthy. We're going to have a kid. I'm going to try to stay home and be the parent for a while because that was in our relationship, the better choice. She, you know, my wife had a better job, more stable hours. I was flexible with work. I could, I could pick up work easily. I could, I could do freelance or I could stay connected to the industry easier. I'm just going to do this for like a year. It's no big deal, but also I'm sick of working and I want to see this kid before I, I just, I've watched other people around me go through divorces, working overtime through multiple kids that are like, they don't even know who they are. Like, I'm not going to do that. And it's expensive. Like me working overtime to not see my kid to pay extra taxes and daycare. This is stupid. <laughs> I'm not doing this. I'm going to like my wife is fine with me staying home. She wants to keep working. Let's let's do this. And that was what the catalyst was. So then I'm now staying home with my baby <laughs> and I look around and I'm like, yeah, I am a guy staying home with a baby. And this feels comfortable to me, but why is everyone else freaking the fuck out? <laughs> you know, like you go to a store and everyone's like, what are you doing? Why, oh, look at you. How lucky you're, you're taking the day off work. And she's like, oh, no, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, it was like that same reaction of like, re, you know, dads can be parents too. <laughs> like what kind of, what, what's wrong with all of you? <laughs> you go to a playground and it's like, oh. What's this guy doing here? <laughs> so like that that transition coming from 
Like, it was the best thing that I could have ever done was to quit full-time working in an industry that was toxic and overworking, and I was hiding myself in the work. Now I'm a parent. I'm a dad. I'm a stay-at-home dad, so that's what that is. Because I was, my reaction to that was, I can figure this out. It made for a great fit most of the time. Oh, she's crying. She's upset. Go through the list. I can, I can, I can handle this stage. fix shit nothing is solvable because that little person that you've just introduced into your house is a separate human being that I could not connect with growing up <laughs> I was a I if it was an animal fine if it was a human like already I, I didn't know what to do with you really and it turns out that you know, now you're living with a bully worse than any of the kids that you'd grown up with who's now got every everything that is a flaw they can trigger immediately. And really, it's just every everything that I was self-conscious about or worried about or scared of came forward because you start imagining all these things and projecting things out and and it comes back on you like, oh, you're responsible for that. You have to fix it. If you don't, all these things are going to happen. Oh, it's your fault. You, you failed. You can't do this. And I thought all of that was squared away. Like, I, I thought I had handled all of it. Turns out, <laughs> when you have children, anything that you you thought you had handled by basically just shutting down, putting away, or walling off does not stay there. Surprise! <laughs> they don't, no one tells you that part of parenting. Like, guess what? They are going to mirror back every insecurity and every worry and every every stage of your life as they grow. They are going to continue to shine lights on and break through and expose and wear away anything that you've put up in defensiveness and not dealt with. I'd never dealt with it. I had masked it. I had pushed it back. I I had I'd let it just sit there simmering and when I would get angry or upset, like it was always me. This is my fault. This is, I've had at that point, you know, 20 plus years of people giving me social feedback that something's wrong with me. So at that point, I was just the ultimate self bully and self punisher.
2004-ish. If you were a, a man with a baby, you must need help. You can't handle this. No man should be out with a baby. And you're like, okay. I'm not just borrowing some kid's, you know, some friend's baby to try to pick up women. I just want to go play at the park and have my kid see other children. And the overwhelming reaction is, that is wrong. Also in here is, you're an idiot, you're wrong. You're lying to yourself. Everyone else has already told you you're a failure. You are a failure. How do you, <laughs> how do you separate that? You push it away until the kid reflects back because she's had a bad day or she doesn't understand how to walk or how to, you know, like just like learning to be a human and then you suddenly feel like you have failed because you can't understand what they're going through or you can't fix it. And now you also can't fix it for the person you're living with and who you love, right? So now you've got like, you feel like you've let everyone in the house down, including yourself. And then we had our second kid and I met more dads and the economy crashed and everyone was out with their kids everywhere, right? Like you're around, you finally are around enough people that are good at what they're doing and you've made new friends and you've got that experience of like, I can handle a baby. You're changing them in the dark in the middle of the night, blindfolded, half asleep and the baby ends up back asleep, you know, like it was not a big deal. Like this is easy. I think when the economy shifted and everyone suddenly was having to just survive, right? Parent, parents, men and women both were like, oh, I don't care who's watching the kid. Like, we're not, we can't pay for daycare. So you go to the park and there'd be all kind of like nanny. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just nannies in one end of Austin and, and moms in the other and then some random dads in the middle of Austin. It was just like everybody was out everywhere trying to just get by. Yeah, I, I just feel like I w watched that happen as we were having our second kid. And I was like, this is now just the world. Like everyone is just the village mentality. Like everyone's gotten this experience a little bit and it's not as weird. And, and I'm sure some of that is confidence, right? You've gotten more comfortable as a parent, but also I, you just quit getting that reaction from people like, Oh, that's the dad. I think for me, like, when I realized that I was a good parent was when we finally started music together and started going to classes. And the environment basically normalized adults laying on the floor, playing with instruments and singing and goofing around. And also my kid made a best friend and I connected with other parents and I was like okay this is good and I was in a room full of new mothers I was the experienced mom of the group they were all having panics about all this like being a new parent 
and I ended up being the experienced parent, which was a weird feeling. There was just such a drastic shift that on top of me being confident with my kid and it not being weird to just see a guy with a baby, having the experience of being the 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 like the mother <laughs> like the experienced mom in the group was such a such a good feeling for a while and it took the self-confidence and 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 kept it high and it also the 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 worry about being out and someone bothering me about it went away and and that was all great like that felt comfortable and then it turns out you still didn't deal with anything I had done such a good job of lying to myself that I had taken care of it, that when stuff went wrong and I, it went wrong slash a child's normal development and they develop differently as far as just a strong-willed child who is ready to take on the world and you included, that cycle of like, oh, I need to be prepared for three hours of, of just surviving my child. This is the the... the the next child didn't have that fight. They would just stop. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to. So, and, or they just would start to react. And in me, I reacted the way that I did for the first kid, which was, I've this is a fight. I'm going to have to survive this for four hours. And then it's going to be fine. And instead of handling it, I would immediately jump to that place of, panicked, scared, bullied by my own kid father, which is a terrible place to put yourself in when your kid is just upset because they didn't get us the right cereal spoon or something. You know, it was just, just anger like just grouchiness and 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 being snippy and and it wasn't that I was just stomping around like no it was just lots of little things that I would find and pick at and dig at and and we didn't spank the kids and we didn't you know it wasn't a physical thing and I didn't I wasn't trying to be verbally abusive and it wasn't it wasn't even that it was that intentional or like that you're, you know, like I was super aware that I didn't want that to be the message. But it didn't matter because in my actions and in my words, that was coming across. It, I didn't need to say, oh, you screwed up, whatever, and, and berate them. But just in the interaction, any, you, you'd look at it from the outside and you go, oh, that is not healthy. When I fail, if I get upset... If I yell or I get, you know, if I storm off or I just, I, t I just explode and take out just angry words and just what words are the most punishing, most manipulative, mo like just a societal model for what will cut someone down to nothing. Because I've practiced on myself for years. I know exactly what words are going to hurt and do damage. 
It didn't make me a good father or a husband or, or a good person. It just was exhausting. And I couldn't stop it. I could just see it. I could just watch it, and I couldn't do anything about it. And, it, and then every time that would happen, it would reinforce that I was a failure. The, the bully that was in me, I would attack myself twice as hard. And so it would just continue, and it would just stack on and on until I just couldn't handle it. I just didn't feel like I would ever be able to fix it. You hit a point where you have to get help, and you're afraid to ask for help. Because that means that you're a failure, right? In my head, it was, I, I don't even know how to ask for help, because what are they going to do? There's nothing they can do. I should be able to fix this. I couldn't be a good role model. Like, this was not how they should be seeing human interaction. But I finally, finally reached out to one of the other dads, and I said, I don't know how to get help. I know that you have experience with, like, mental stuff, and, you know, I just don't even know what to do. He said, well, <laughs> he's like, I have a therapist. I go to see, you know, and it was, he's like, I was freaking out all the time, and then they just said this one thing to me. And once that was it, I was like, are you kidding? It was that simple? And, you know, so I, I just basically went, okay, it's okay to get help. It's not, and it's okay to get help, and it's okay for it not to work and me to try again. Like, why am I afraid to try? Why am I punishing myself for, for punishing myself? Like, it doesn't even make sense. So I'm finally, I'm going to do it. I went in, talked to her for a little bit. <laughs> went, okay, came back. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back and talk some more. You know, it started off just like, yeah, tell me, you know, what well, what was your, you know, your parents' sacrifice, whatever. I was scared to upset them. Just the history of my worldview. And then, yeah, she just said, she said a couple things, and I just couldn't even speak. I just, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't talk. <laughs> and when I did, it felt like I had taken, like a, you know, she said it was like shrapnel, but it felt like, a, <laughs> yeah, it just felt like a cloak of 100 pound weights had just been like dropped or something sharp that was keeping a wound, from, like a splinter that wouldn't leave. Like it just came out. <laughs> and the moment that happened, it was just... Like, really? Was that it? Like, that can't be it. I don't trust it. It can't be that easy to have asked for help, talked for a little while, and made it better. Like, it just... Uh, that's... Bullshit. You know? Just not... Like, no way.
man, I was, I was, I was trying to do some of the things that we had talked about, and it just, it, it didn't feel like it was working. I felt, it still just felt like I had, I had masked it, and I've worked around it, like, like cheating on a diet or something. It just was like this is not. And so we talked some more, and there was another few sessions where it just was. I, th I think, I think one session was basically an hour of me barely able to breathe and crying, <laughs> and another layer and another piece of just glass being taken out and over and over again where it was like I don't I don't think there's anything left there's no there's nothing still in me that is hurting me I've I've described it I've talked about it, I've pulled it out of I trust that I'm enough and I'm okay I, I don't have to punish myself for this stuff anymore. It's okay to fail. It's okay not to have everything under control. It's okay to be broken. Obviously, you can't just flip a switch and be, be fixed permanently and perfectly. But I know what that process was. If once you go to the gym and you see the weight machines and you've been shown how to use it, you you don't suddenly forget. Once you've learned it and learned the process, it's familiar enough that you can come back to it and it doesn't feel like oh, I'll never be able to do this. And that's how I feel like with when I when I know I when I know that I haven't slept enough or when I know that things are just rough, I start to react badly or I you know, I, well I messed up. And that's where it ends most of the time. I may still react poorly. I still may watch myself explode a little bit or throw some fuel on the fire and just to watch what happens. <laughs> but the the fallout after is not there. I felt like I needed something for me. I started back in martial arts. I went and I, I just wanted to do something again that was just for me to get out of the house. I lost like 40 pounds and I didn't think that like, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to lose weight. It's like, oh, I feel good. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm the fat kid anymore, which was also the the other ridiculous part of growing up. It's ridiculous that I was being picked on about it, but it's ridiculous that I accepted that as the truth. I finally, I finally went, okay, well, why... What is that? Like, why am I accepting that negativity and holding on to that? The embarrassment of just taking your shirt off at the pool or like with the kids or whatever. You're just like, I can't. I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm ugly. And then, and then I finally went, well, why? What? How stupid is that? What is it? What is that feeling keeping me from? It's keeping me from doing all kinds of stuff. I should be better. And what came out of therapy was every time you, every time you feel like that, you should be. You're, 
Says who? <laughs> like, why are you putting that pressure on yourself? You're learning, accept the learning process, accept that you're doing this, and and that's okay. That's why you're doing this. And that was the the biggest shift ever because I finally was allowing myself to go through the process of learning. And it wasn't embarrassing to not know how to do something or it wasn't embarrassing to fail because it was just a way to build. This is now something I can I get to work on instead of punishing myself over why didn't I do it already? How stupid is that, <laughs> right? Oh, you should already know how to do this. You know, I watched my kids from birth fail over and over again to try to learn how to walk, to speak, to read. The only way they got through that is because they didn't care. You don't have a baby who's embarrassed to try to speak because they can't speak already. They just tried to say the words over and over again until they figure it out. And you encourage that. Yes, you said dad. You know, like the encouragement level is so high for even an attempt. Why don't I give myself the same permission? And so every stage of my life, every point of contact, it just opened up so much more richness in my ability to try things and learn things and to not punish myself over it. It was incredible. You know, I'm gonna go to the pool and learn to dive with my kids. And so if you wanna see something funny is that, you know, for a summer camp with me and the kids was, like me on a diving board learning to high dive without my shirt on and I'm like moms watching their their four-year-olds walk up the ladder that a six foot you know 40 something year old <laughs> is on at the same time learning to do the same thing that their four-year-old's doing and I was like I don't care if I'm you know I, I don't have six-pack abs I just I'm getting to learn how to dive with my kids and I get to show up and I get to be here and it was the most fun thing ever. I was the only adult and, and what happened out of that was people were like, oh, I wish I could have done that. Oh, I, that's so great you're doing that. Yeah, it is. Nothing stopping you from doing it either. And I would have missed all of that because I wouldn't have given myself permission to do it. Asking for help and then accepting the help was the biggest thing that, you know, besides like meeting my wife, <laughs> that was such a huge shift in my entire world that was, that I didn't know I needed, you know, but it certainly is felt. It's felt in my relationship with my wife. It's felt in the relationship with the kids. It's felt with being brave enough to just stand up in front of a group of people and learn to dive. Yeah, I'm gonna fail bad and I'm gonna try again. And a few times I smashed hard and everyone felt it and heard it. And I was like, yes, that was awesome. I completely tried the best I could and failed and I'm gonna get it again. And then I'd go up again. And 
I couldn't have done that three years ago. I mean, I couldn't have done it before going to therapy and and just coming to terms with allowing myself to actually go through the process of being vulnerable and learning how to fail in a way that gives me growth as opposed to just punishment. And I still don't really understand how. Like, I don't know what therapy did. I don't know how it worked. I don't know why going in and talking to a stranger and just having just having that reassurance that it wasn't something broken in me from someone who I had no connection with, that allowed that to connect where I had blocked it off before. Clearly, everyone has their own stuff. Clearly, if you see one person that looks like they're together, there's a hole somewhere that they're struggling with. No one gets out of childhood unscathed. That was Brad Clark. Brad Clark is an animator and a stay-at-home dad. He is still a stay-at-home dad, which I think is great. I think there's a lot of pressure on dads. At least I got some of this. That uh, once your kids are in school, it's like, so when are you gonna go back to your to your real job? Oh yeah, moms get that too. Yeah. I was a stay-at-home mom for ten years. As soon as the kids go to school, like, yeah. So what do you do? What do you? What's your next plan? I'm happy to know that there are dads like him out in the world. I really miss that community of dads that I was a part of. It was really fun talking to Brad because I learned some things about him that I didn't know. And I'd always thought of him as super physical, very athletic, very confident, just somebody who had always known what he was doing and why he was doing it. And it was interesting to get a glimpse into what was going on behind the scenes for him at the time. Yeah, this podcast shows vulnerability, which is great. And the growth from pain and uh, bullying, actually one of the topics that is discussed is bullying. Yeah, it was really kind of him to agree to do the interview. Uh, When I was editing um, Brad's interview, I remember reading something about his thoughts on parenting and how his children is like poking at all those insecurities that you thought you kind of let go of or issues childhood issues and traumas but when you become a parent all this all of a sudden comes up and you're like oh shit I thought I dealt with it and I like that because I think that's universal and it's amazing how kids really transform and grow you I know I've become a better person because of my children and I had to embrace challenges and do things I did not want to do or think I could do and I did it and of course it's an everyday daily thing I'm I'm still doing it still growing and learning from my children parenting is hard as hell but so worth it I love that we're in a society that's thinking more about letting people be who they are regardless of who that is outside of 
societal expectations or whatever. And I hope that that we move towards more of that. I'm glad you said that because in our political climate, it doesn't seem that way that we are progressing towards that kind of change and acceptance of all roles and not male roles and female roles, although it doesn't seem that way in our political world these days. It's, it's all about your bubble. In my bubble, everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Caterpillar Goo. I'm Rod Hayden. And I'm Flora. See you next time. Bye.